Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today we'd like to introduce you to a great fantasy audio drama called Circe. The show is similar to Lord of the Rings, except that it focuses on an awesome gay sorceress on the planet of Elbion. Thyra is recording stories of her past to help regain her magical abilities. We learn of her life and how she came to be a member of the Circe. If you're a fan of gay stories and characters, Lord of the Rings and Xena the Warrior Princess, you'll love this show. Check out Circe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Greetings, Maltopians. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Maltopia Podcast. To better engage with you, we'll soon be launching our new Discord, so be sure to sign up for our newsletter at maltopia.com for the invite link and a small thank you gift. And to receive early access to podcast episodes, bonus video content, and more, consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash Maltopia. Watch our welcome video and scroll through to find public posts that give you a sampling of what you can expect as a patron. Check out our artwork on Instagram and DeviantArt. Connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. And as always, thank you very much for your support. Enjoy. Deadwitch 
once the complacent township of Kettleston continued its long march toward utter ruination, now serving as the nucleus for yet another contest of devils, its sagging houses and splintered roads outlining the newest theater of horrors. Arguably, during all the chaos subsequent to the darkness, the most mistreated entity was nothing short of the city itself, having shouldered too much vice than should be borne by any haunt of man, thinly cobbled from ordinary matter as it was. And yet it still endured, if only as a husk of metropolitanism, a manifest cautionary tale for urban life after the great darkness. The streets were a confusion of debris, organic and otherwise. Equally confounding was a clear cause for it all, at least for the casual observer, for which only the most stupefying signposts existed. Yet to the initiated, those who'd gone through the bowels of the machine risen from hell, it was as obvious as it was ominous. By now, the Carnivian were known by one in all Deadwitchers, if utterly understood by none of them. The only Malsapien who regarded the creatures with any wisdom at all was no less mysterious an entity, having put in fleeting yet vastly informative appearances through the mediation of jerry-rigged electronics. Eric stood within the remains of Deadwitch's only medical facility. It was one of just a dozen or so amenities the Malsapiens had no need of their bodies largely resilient to disease and casual injury as much as the passage of time. However, despite all the fortifications provided by the Melengine, they were not proof against extragalactic predation. All the crumpled and filthy cots were now occupied, each patient lucky for having survived. Mangled and incapacitated was far better a fate than those suffered by their missing kinsmen. Hazel and Keith had been placed next to one another and would soon be brought back to the house on Lineage Street to be better cared for, but the injured were still coming in, and there was no time for preferential treatment. The rest of the passengers and wanderers were gathered at Williams, waiting anxiously for the next call from the city's mysterious benefactor. Eric wasn't in the mood for phantom phone calls and shadowy unidentified voices, so he chose to sulk beside his fallen friends. From what could be told, Hazel was presumably the better off of the two, showing no signs of traumatic injury, her vitals proving strong and regular. It was likely only a matter of time before she awoke. At least that's what he hoped. Keith was another matter entirely, his injuries life-threatening, ferocious. Standing so close to the conductor without being subjected to his characteristic banter was a surreal experience for the Englishman. Eric took a seat on the stool set out between Keith and Hazel's cots. The matter was beyond me, brother. Had I... I don't blame you. There was nothing you could have done. There was nothing anyone could have done. Futility persists at all levels, for all creatures. Even those who can lift mountains or sing them to pieces. Had we been gods, creators of entire worlds, the outcome would have remained the same if not the method of its execution. We have all been branded the means by which we will suffer and die. How the world will prove our powers pointless. There are categories, you see, specific fates that gravitate to their appropriate sufferers. 
Rocks roll downhill, lightning travels the path of least resistance, and lovers must be parted, painfully. We are old friends of tragedy, all of us moving within the same shrinking, inescapable circles. Perhaps, but we are already dead. Our ending in perpetuum, a grave carved into the firmament of forever. Fate has already left us behind. But you want life, brother. The one thing that cannot travel with us. Eric looked beyond the weak lights, where the doors parted to admit a wanderer. The Soul Stinger. The former Hierarch of Deadwitch drifted through the lanes of occupied beds his eyes searching and sorrowful. The wanderer shot the seated passenger a look that might have terrified another person, but Eric only felt sorry for the man. Garrett Barnes, hothead, was apparently a good friend of both Artie and the gun maiden. While the dead knot had not directly contributed to the wanderer's death, if indeed he was dead, the involvement in the matter was certainly sufficient to garner some bad blood. Artie walked up and stood at the foot of Hazel's bed, watching her breathe. You're lucky to have them, he said, shifting his gaze towards the floor. We lost more than a few of our own, but they're not really lost, are they? In fact, they're likely to return, maybe even as soon as tonight, from what I hear. Artie's words seemed to ignore the topic of Garrett's death. But his mind was fixed on the matter. Eric was sure of it. Even if he hadn't already known something of the Wanderer, he would have made him for a killer. Eric decided to confront the topic. I... I am sorry. But the circumstances weren't... ideal. You and yours came for us. And we defended ourselves. And while I wish it had all happened differently, it didn't. And we passengers may yet lose one of our own, if that should make you feel better. Heath may have given his life to see the beasts flee the city, saving many a dead witcher. Artie was quiet for a moment, perhaps carefully choosing the path he'd travel with Eric. Circumstances are rarely ideal, but improvisation can be the shoehorn for opportunity. Sometimes you must force matters to square with what you want, wherever you can, however you can. Artie turned and walked away, leaving his words to poison his wake. Eric bristled at the thinly veiled threat. Is it a fight you want, Arthur? To avenge your friend, irrespective of the role he and most certainly you and yours played in his death? You think you're just going to threaten me and leave? Artie continued walking towards the door. The Englishman could feel his anger rechanneling into the moment, an excuse to vent. I see, then. You're a fucking coward who waits till his opponent's back is turned to do his avenging. Is that it? Are you a coward, wanderer? Artie stopped dead. Well, well, that's got your attention, hasn't it? Should I turn round so that you might muster the additional courage to attack me? A venom-sweating stinger crept without the back of Artie's right fist, 
the wanderer still facing away. Oh, look, a stinger. Why, you're a bug, Artie. Do you know what I do to filthy little bugs? Artie turned round, his eyes like pointed spears. No, no idea. Well, I'll tell you. I do what everyone else does. I crush them underfoot, with ease. And perhaps, just perhaps, should the bug be displeasing enough, annoying enough, I might take a small bit of pleasure in the whole thing, right before I scrape the dead thing from my shoes. Eric began walking towards the soul stinger, unaware of his finger on the kill switch. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Eric, what the hell are you doing? Hazel shouted from the bed. The Englishman spun ignoring the wanderer altogether. My God, Hazel, you're awake. He rushed to her, but before he could wrap his arms around her, she saw what was left of Keith. No, Keith! She rushed from her bed and took the conductor's hand, searching his reddened, peeling face. What's happened to him? Eric drew up next to Hazel, looking at her with amazement, his heart pounding. He remembered where he left off with Artie and turned. The wanderer was gone, though his menace still hung in the air. Do not worry, dear brother. Anyone can use a shoehorn. Lynn, Mars, William, and Nika sat in the smoke room of the Romeo house, waiting for the phone to ring. They were all aware of the sun, how high it hung in the air, what would happen once it closed upon the horizon. Lynn only felt the ebb of her passions. The pain and suffering had rendered down since the invasion, and only the lingering smolder of the wounded held her few remaining feelings upright. Mars exhaled and crossed his arms, glaring at the wall before turning his gaze at Nika and William. You guys have been here longer than us, so any ideas who the spook on the phone is? Shifting in his gigantic wing chair, William just shook his head. I got nothing. I mean, there's a lot of us here, or was. Some of them no more than get here and uh, they're gone down a hole somewhere, without anyone ever knowing. Well, except Spider, probably. Speaking of which, that creep hasn't so much as said boo since his whole shit show started. Sorta makes you wonder, don't it? 
Nika invited, her scowl tightening. That freak's always rubbed me the wrong way, boss or not. You ask me, we're chumming the water for those friggin' things. What else makes sense? Spider hasn't been late for dinner once in his whole goddamn life, and we're supposed to think he didn't see this coming? Or now that it's come, that he didn't know about it? Bullshit. Mars nodded to Nika. You're singing my song. Nothing else makes sense. And so the sheep have finally thought to question the shepherd, eh? It is, as they say, about time. The voice crackled into the room from the house's intercom system. William stood up, talking at the ceiling. Who the fuck are you anyway? And why should anyone find you more trustworthy than Spider? Far as we know, you could be him, playing some kind of fucking game. Because I'm not asking you to trust me. Everything I've told you has been true. Evidenced. I do not work in faith, but only facts. I will not ask you to dwell in dead houses or watch movies made from madness. I will not expect you to sleep the sleep of reason. I will tell you things, and I will show you things. I do not beg your faith, only your attention. Lynn stared out the window, talking almost from a trance. Last time we spoke, you said the Carnivian would launch their final attack tonight. That the last one was only the pregame. What kind of shit are we up against? Lynn finally quit her staring contest with the darkening woods, meeting Mars's eyes as they awaited the voice's response. These creatures are the lords and ladies of hunger. Nothing like the neophytes of last night. You cannot defeat them. At least, not without destroying yourselves in the process. But you must hold them off for as long as you can. I have arranged for assistance and liberation. You must only live long enough to be received of it. What do you mean, liberation? William asked, still aiming his words at the ceiling. To be free of this place, of Spider, of the Melengen. The room was silent for a moment. It was a thought that might never have occurred to them. Not that they could be free of the city, or even Spider but of the machine. It was built into them to accept the inevitability of the monster that had made them what they were. Nika cracked her knuckles before plucking a bottle of rum from behind the massive mahogany bar. Well, if you can do what you say... She paused to pull the cork out with her teeth and spit it onto the floor. I'll drink to that. The gun maiden took a long pull from the bottle before raising it to the ceiling, saluting the voice from above. Mars regarded Lynn, awaiting her judgment. Sounds like fun. Where do we start? She heard the Warbringer exhale a held breath. He agreed with her. After the meeting with the enigmatic voice concluded, the Lords of Deadwitch trailed their queen to the Masonic Temple, a huge stone building that had been barely damaged during the previous night's violence. Most of the remaining Malsapiens clustered within, waiting for some kind of instruction, as it was now well known that the monsters would return once the sun died. The atmosphere of the room was uniformly gray, the light thin and weak, the walls prevailing in their dull and tireless strength. 
Her people were scattered across the vast room like trash left to an abandoned parking lot, tattered, worn, and dirty. Some of them marked her arrival. Others only left their heads in their hands, their eyes closed to the ever-mounting dread. Theodore crossed the room to Mars, bypassing Lynn, likely due to her expression, which was as unflinching and cold as the stone walls. I thought you'd all want to know that the little lady's right as rain. Eric sent a message over from the hospital. Apparently, she's been busy trying to get Keith up and running again. Lynn overheard the news, but only directed her gaze into the corner, where Aunt Bertie sat upon a fold-out chair, sipping tea from a chipped cup. Lynn's emotions were quietly dying. All she could manage was to hope the old woman would be back in some kind of fighting shape. Her powers would be needed. I need to know what these people can do, William, if I'm to deploy them to any useful end. She noticed Mars's scowl, likely in response to her apparent lack of interest in the news of Hazel, her wanton coldness. Yeah, I can fill you in, but there's some faces that I don't recognize here, too. You mean you didn't try to kick their asses for skipping the meet and greets? Mars muttered as he walked back towards the door. Fuck you, dickhead. Like I said, some of them never even came up for air the whole time they was here. And where are you going, Mars? Lynn's voice was unintentionally authoritarian. The Warbringer turned with a renewed scowl. I'm gonna check on Hazel and Keith. Why? Mars's eyes danced the boundary between looking and glaring. Lynn tried to soften her tone, but her heart wasn't in it. It wasn't in anything. Because we've only got until the sun sets. And you're our best strategist. Or have you forgotten we're at war? It was the first time they'd ever faced off like this, with naked animosity stretching between them. Mars grit his teeth. You know, Lynn... He stopped and ran his hand along his jawline, scratching at his stubble. What, Mars? What do I need to know? She was on automatic, powerless to derail her words, her bitter indifference. The Warbringer shook his head and loosed a small chuckle. <laughs> Nothing, Lynn. You don't need to know anything. But I'll get right on the planning, so don't you worry, boss. William seemed puzzled by the exchange, dispelling the moment. Uh, yeah, well, Nika and Adi uh, generally do all the blueprinting, so why don't she help Maz, and I'll send Adi to help when I see him. I've got some maps of the city we can use and a short list of the best places we might want to check out for shooting galleries, choke points, last stands, the good shit. Nika offered, cracking her knuckles yet again. Theodore gazed over at Aunt Bertie before taking a deep breath. Mind if I join y'all? The spirit handler asked, taking a step toward Mars and the gun maiden. I just might have a bit of a plan myself but I'll leave it to you two Spartans to gauge its worth. Lynn drifted towards the large stained glass window recessed deep into the side of the massive stone room, letting the three war planners alone to strategize. The glass presented the image of a giant eye looking down upon a small thicket. She would have hated herself if she were able, for looking forward to the night and the painful killing to come. But such was her life now hurting only to feel, burning just to keep warm.
We'd like to take a moment to thank the following patrons for supporting this episode. Nick, K. Davis, G-Man, Andrew Knott, Thesis Ascendant, David Gregory, Noondoo Toast, Ian Hagen, Jonathan Schenk, Kurt Kornfeld, Deborah Carpenter, and Sarah Anzalone. Today we'd like to introduce you to a great fantasy audio drama called Circe. The show is similar to Lord of the Rings, except that it focuses on an awesome gay sorceress on the planet of Elbion. Thyra is recording stories of her past to help regain her magical abilities. We learn of her life and how she came to be a member of the Circe. If you're a fan of gay stories and characters, Lord of the Rings and Xena the Warrior Princess, you'll love this show. Check out Circe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.